who's standing at the door Remembering the days before and asking Please be kind It isn't how it was set up to be But I've set you free this time Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in lacrosse. We've got some off-season items to talk about. The franchise tender date has come and gone, and that has some big news for the Green Bay Packers and Greg Jennings. We'll touch upon that. And also, Joe Flacco is now the highest-paid player in the NFL. There's one guy who certainly was watching that closely, that being Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we'll speculate a little bit on what that might mean for him in the near future. And also, is Joe Flacco worth the money? And we'll rank him as well as uh, the other NFL quarterbacks, and we'll give you each of our top ten lists, and we'll see exactly where Joe Flacco and others stand. So with that, we're going to bring Matt in today. And Matt, is it uh, snowing out there yet? You're supposed to get a huge, ginormous blizzard. No, uh, it is a little bit, and also, I just got to let you know here that I'm actually reporting live from Eau Claire today, not La Crosse. Oh, you're in Eau Claire, okay. Yeah, it's a different city every week for me these days, so. <laughs> Have you moved out there yet, or? No, I'm just okay. staying in a hotel again tonight. Oh, jeez Louise, you're a busy, busy man. <laughs> I sure am. When are you going to get green and gold forever out in uh, Beijing, China? Uh, I'm thinking a couple months from now we could probably outsource the, like, I shouldn't say outsource. <laughs> yeah, we don't want any of that, you know, we no. don't want them taking our gerbs or nothing. <laughs> Okay, well, let's not get too political here. Let's talk. About, let's keep it here in the states and in the state of Wisconsin. Eau Claire is where Matt is today. Uh, Matt, I, I obviously you heard me mention that Greg Jennings was not offered the franchise tag for the Green Bay Packers. That means that for now they're going to set him free into the free agent market and see where that leads them. Uh, I haven't seen anything as far as if they're giving up any possibility of re-signing him, but for the time being. Uh, there's going to be other teams that are also going to have a shot to make Greg Jennings a member of their team. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. I've been so busy lately, I haven't had the chance to really see any sports news or anything. So you're kind of breaking news to me here during the <laughs> show today as we go along. Um, did they get, end up giving the tag to anybody else? No, they elected not to give it to uh, anybody else. There was only uh, eight players, and I'll just read these real quick. The eight players that were offered franchise tags were uh, the Dolphins offered it to defensive tackle Randy Starks, the Bears to defensive tackle Henry Melton, the Colts to punter Pat McAfee, Denver to left tackle Ryan Clady, Cincinnati Bengals gave it to defensive end Michael Johnson, uh, Buffalo uh, put the tag on Jarius Bird, Kansas City put it on left tackle Brandon Albert, and uh, Dallas tagged Anthony Spencer again for the second straight year. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me too much. I, I was a little hopeful there for a while. I'd started to hear some some rumblings at the end of last week. I think that maybe it was actually looking like a possibility. Um, I know Jennings wouldn't have been too happy with that, but mm-hmm. it obviously would have been good for the team, but they chose not to do it. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, I, I'm not sure what the, the price that would have come with that, but I'm sure it probably would have been a little bit higher even than it would be if you have to sign him to a contract. But, I, again, I know he's looking for about $12 million a year, which is a pretty high tag. So yeah. I, I can't imagine the Packers shell that out. Well, and I don't think the Packers will shell that out, honestly. 
at first I was disappointed that they didn't tag him, but then after I thought about it a little bit, I was sort of relieved because had they tagged him, it would have been to trade him uh, in all likelihood. Sure. What could possibly happen now is that they're going to let him go out into free agency and perhaps he'll see that the market is not quite as lucrative as he thought. I know he wanted something in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 million or something like that. He wanted like Larry Fitzgerald money. And I don't think he's going to get it, and not a lot of people do think he's going to get it. So I'm hoping that if somebody offers him something in the 8 to $9 million range, that prior to signing, he comes back and gives the Packers one more chance. Because, I mean, if you had the choice, would you rather go play with uh, Ryan Tannehill or something, or Aaron Rodgers for the same price? <laughs> right, and, and I've kind of felt that way all along, that he wasn't going to get that much that he's looking for. I mean, really... He's a player based on speed and agility, and he's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's one of these big down-the-field threats that can maybe keep it going after some of the speed starts to go. I mean, that's his game. Mm-hmm. So for somebody to offer him a, a big-time $12 million a year, multi-year contract, I mean, that's that's pretty dangerous, mm-hmm. especially for a guy who's been banged up a lot. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, like you said, I don't think he's going to get it. And maybe, hey, maybe he does go out there, sees that, and decides to come back. Uh, I just kind of feel like with a lot of the things we've kind of heard lately, it seemed like he had already – kind of decided he wants out, maybe he doesn't feel like turning around and walking back. I, I'm not sure, but you know, I think I think you're right. I think, if anything, that might give us a better chance down the road once he sees he's not going to get, at least I can't imagine he's going to get that 10 to $12 million. Yeah, I guess you never know. I, I suppose with the down quarterback market, there might be a couple of teams trying to bolster the other parts of the offense in hopes that that's enough. Uh, you're yeah. thinking maybe your, uh, your Arizonas or your Jacksonvilles and, and teams like that, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I gotta agree with you. I don't think he's gonna wanna come back tail tucked between his legs and saying, you know, it wasn't quite what I thought it was gonna be, but, um, and I, I, I would imagine that Donald Driver being gone is gonna make it a lot easier for him to bid farewell to his Green Bay days. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Hopefully, uh, Greg Jennings can come back to Green Bay for some kind of a reasonable price, and if not, I, I hope he's, I hope he gets rich, cause <laughs> he's a, yeah. he's a good guy. Uh, just don't do it in Detroit or Chicago or Minnesota, please. All right, well, some other guy got quite rich this uh, past week, and that being Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco signing a six-year, $120 million contract. A lot of different opinions going about the sports world, uh, trying to analyze exactly what uh, kind of a deal this was. Was it good for the Ravens? Was it a foolish on the Ravens part and I guess whether or not Flacco deserved that one of the more interesting ones I wrote is that if it was not for a blown coverage in Denver uh, he probably would have made far less money oh, yeah. than, than he did make uh, I guess that's the nature of football but uh, still something to kind of put it into uh, perspective I guess Matt real quick before we talk about the Aaron Rodgers effect of this what was your re- first reaction when you saw the Ravens finally did sign Flacco to that large of a contract well, I mean, it, I guess it was really no surprise. I I don't think he's worth that, and I think most people would probably say that he's not worth that much money every year. Mm-hmm. But you can't let a guy who just won you a Super Bowl and was the MVP just walk yeah. because you're not going to give him what he wants. So, you know, based on his play on the field, I mean, especially during the regular season, no, he's definitely not worth that much. He's not the best player in the NFL right now, um, doesn't deserve to be the highest-paid quarterback, but... He had so much um, on his side, and the Ravens really couldn't do anything about it. Really, I mean, you got to give him what he wants. You can't let him go to free agency after after that. So, no, I don't think he's worth it based on his play. It might kind of hamper the Ravens down the the next six years. That I think the contract is six years long. Yep. Um, but 
really, you can't avoid it, I guess. So, mm-hmm. no, I don't think he's that good, but you had to do it. Yeah, and I think that's probably how a lot of people were looking at it. I was kind of shocked to finally see the number. Like, I was expecting it for weeks, but to finally see that number was just like, holy smokes. I mean, Joe Flacco, <laughs> like, seriously? And I think, like you said, the Ravens, you can't let them walk. It's almost like, at this point, you just have to keep them. But, I mean, that's a lot of money, but he probably would have gone to Cleveland or or something like that if you would have got rid of him, you know, or or Buffalo or somebody in the conference that's nearby. There's a lot of teams that need a quarterback, and especially considering there's nobody really that good in the draft. If Alex Smith is worth two second-round draft choices and Kansas City's second round is basically a late number one pick, then, I mean, you almost have to say, we got to keep this guy or or we're not going to have a quarterback in 2013. Yeah, and I, I think if you look at it in this perspective, I guess I'm trying to help the Ravens out a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. the worst thing that happens is this guy is average for the next six years. You know, maybe you don't get as much talent around him as you would like. Maybe you're kind of on-again, off-again playoff team. Mm-hmm. Don't make that big of a push again. Well, he already did win you a Super Bowl. So, I mean, yeah, maybe you're overpaying him a little bit, but he basically already got you to where you wanted to go. Yeah. Um, I guess you're kind of paying for that on top of it, too. So you're kind of paying for the effect before the contract as well as what you're getting for it getting after it. And who knows, maybe he's going to become one of the elite quarterbacks over the next six years, and then it's like, hey, you know, then it's worth what we're paying him anyways. So mm-hmm. really, I don't think there's a big downfall. I don't think he's going to completely fall off and be a terrible quarterback or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll agree. I think uh, you pretty know pretty much know what you have in Joe Flacco. He's been incredibly consistent with his regular season play. It's just that level of consistency has not been all that impressive. Um, His playoff performance this year even was much greater than any of his previous playoff experience as well. So I guess you can hope that this playoff thing is the new norm or he was just inspired by Ray Lewis or something. I don't know, but... We'll see. Um, it's kind of you made the good point about kind of paying for what you've already gotten, and as opposed to what you're going to get. And if we can kind of segue this, that might be a lot of the case for Aaron Rodgers. I know he's certainly got a lot of prime years left, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine the Packers are signing what is likely going to be the biggest deal in the NFL, probably the biggest deal all time in the NFL yeah. when Aaron Rodgers resigns. And you can't expect that 31, 32, 33-year-old Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing 45 touchdowns to six picks or 39 touchdowns to eight picks like he's had the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's gotten a little bit underpaid over his last couple years in his prime here. He's maybe got a few more to go. But, yeah, at least half of that contract, you would think he's probably not going to be at the apex of his game, I mean, mm-hmm. you never really know. You can see Tom Brady still doing it the way he's doing it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're definitely kind of paying for what you might have underpaid him slightly for over the mm-hmm. past few years as well. Well, and I'll, I'll argue that he wasn't underpaid slightly. Carson Palmer was making, like, 60% more than he was last year. <laughs> so maybe that's uh, more of uh, an indictment of the Raiders and some of their policies <laughs> than yeah, it is with the Packers. I think that's but, probably true. But yeah, he was still the highest paid player on the Packers, but he was only making about nine million a year, which oh. is uh, was I, I think it was tenth uh, going into uh, last year. So okay. I'm sure that deal will come up rather soon. Yeah. Well, let's talk about quarterbacks, because that's my favorite thing to talk about in football, and a lot of people like to talk about it. And I was trying to think, when Joe Flacco signed, where he fit in the pantheon of NFL quarterbacks right now. Where exactly would you rank him? And 
a lot of people say, you know, throw out a number like top 15 or top 5 or top 10. If you listen to Merrill Hodge, there's about 17 quarterbacks in the top 5, uh, depending on, on what day you, you tune into Sports Center. But I think once you actually have to make the list, it really gives you a better opportunity to really rank these guys. And so Matt and I each went and got our own, or made our own top 10 quarterback list, and we're gonna discuss each other's lists right now. Uh, Matt, do you think we should go, uh, worst to first? I, th- I think we might as well go worst to first. I mean, I think we probably both have a, a similar answer for number one, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think we should work up to the, the first place. Okay. Alright, uh, I'll start then. My number 10 best quarterback in the NFL right now is Tony Romo. Uh, it sounds kind of strange, but Tony Romo right now is fifth all-time in passer rating. He's very mistake-prone, but I think he's also been the victim of a poor team. He's kind of right now, he, his worst traits of being careless with the football and maybe not so clutch in times is amplified by the fact that he has to play in co- close games constantly, I think. I don't know if I'm if you think I'm off base on that. Um, he went 8-8 eight and eight in 2011, throwing 31 touchdowns, 4,200 yards, and only 10 interceptions, and the team only won eight games. So I, I think uh, Tony Romo has shown that he's a consistent player. I think he's not quite as good as he was maybe in 2007, 8 or 9, but... I think that he's much better than he gets credit for because he's forced to play in so many close games, and even your greatest quarterbacks of all time, like Tom Brady, are still only about 500 in really close games. So I think uh, if he was on a better team, he'd be viewed a lot better. Okay, and I don't think that that's weird, that weird of a pick because my number 10 is also Tony Romo. <laughs> uh, we didn't compare lists at all before, and at all, so that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and I had a hard time with this one, too, because I left some names off behind him, which we'll get mm. to at the end uh, to save some yep, I have some too, suspense so. as well. Um, but I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, just from watching this guy, um, even last year when people thought he had a down year, I, I still think he's better than the people I left off. And mm-hmm. Just by watching the games. I watched a lot of Cowboys game last year, and I, I still think he's playing at a high level. I still think he's, although right on the fringe, still a top-ten quarterback. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's not elite, but I think I still think the Cowboys can maybe make a push at some point in this guy's career. I think he's good enough to do that. So I, mm-hmm. I'll have him just crack in the top-ten here with you as well. Okay. All right. So congratulations, Tony Romo, I guess. Um, just at the risk that our lists are incredibly similar, why don't we uh, introduce our numbers on an alternating order? So why don't you do uh, number nine here first? Sure. And my number nine here, a really small sample size, and this is the only rookie I have in, but I put an RG3 in this list. Okay. Um, and I just think it's because he can do everything. I mean, he passes better than... From what I saw last year, he's already passing better than everybody I left off, and he's got the running threat on top of it, too. So I'm not usually one to do something like this after only seeing him for one year, but I think he's already that far along that I think it's it's fair. I think if he stays healthy, he's he's well within this. I think he is one of the top ten quarterbacks as long as he stays healthy. So mm-hmm. you know, a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I'll say RG3 at nine. Yeah, and I actually did not put RG3 on my list, but I could see you doing that. Um... 20 touchdowns to 5 picks as a rookie this year is insane. Um, I actually had to double-take when I saw that number back in the offseason, or back uh, uh, earlier in the season. The biggest thing for me about him, especially considering his health right now, is I don't know what the lifetime value of this guy is going to be, considering he's he's very lanky, he's incredibly talented, but he feels like a guy that it's going to take a miracle 
to get him to play 16 games each season. Yeah, and to, you know, maybe even to play seven or eight seasons total, it's, yeah. it might be kind of a feat. I, I agree with you there. Um, just right now, I guess I'm saying nine. Yeah, and it's hard to argue with considering how, how well he played as a rookie on a team who hasn't done much of anything since Joe Gibbs left the first time. My number nine is actually Philip Rivers. Uh, he puts up solid numbers. He's got a better than two to one touchdown interception ratio. He's got a 62% winning percentage all time, sixth all time in passer rating. Unfortunately, he's had the rough playoffs. I think he's another guy who's a very good player that has to play so many close games on bad teams that a lot of his worst characteristics are amplified, uh, turns the ball over sometimes in close games, or just completely is ineffective uh, in, in close games towards the end. I think he's a guy who is kind of like Joe Flacco this year or Eli Manning in previous years. This guy is one solid playoff run away from being considered a borderline Hall of Fame player. If, if the Chargers one of these years can get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl while he's still there, I think this guy could get some serious considerations as one of the better quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might kind of disagree with you there a little bit on this one, and I actually left him off my list, which was kind of shocking. I mean, you think about two years ago, he was top five, no doubt. He yeah. was in everybody's top five. Um, but the last two years, he's been pretty bad. Yeah. He's turning the ball over a lot. I don't know how much San Diego football you watched last year, but it seemed like in every game that he was on TV that I watched, he was turning the ball over a ton. He looked inaccurate. I I don't know what happened to him you know, from two years ago when he was considered elite. I know he has a lot less talent around him now than he did, but mm-hmm. just watching him, he, I mean, he doesn't look good anymore. And mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing that I see with Stafford. We, we've asked this question during the regular season, how do you lose your accuracy all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden? I, I feel the same with both of those guys, and I feel like Rivers has lost something. Um, you know, it's hard to throw it to new receivers every year. It seems like he's always losing guys. He's lost Sproles, Jackson, all these guys. But he just looked bad to me, and I, it was hard for me to leave him off my list, but I, I don't think he's there anymore, and I think he could easily get back there, but I just don't think he's there anymore. Yeah, and he definitely fell off the last two years. His, his quarterback rating was a lot lower, but uh, he's still throwing a ton of touchdowns. He's still, he turns the ball over a lot, but not quite as much as some of these other guys. And I just still feel like I'm more comfortable with Phillip Rivers only being in his early 30s than I am with, with some of these other newer guys that have exploded recently. Because, I mean, if you want to use him as the benchmark or, or some of these other guys, um, there's a lot of these guys who have started out really strong and then faded away. And granted, he's faded away some, but still, I mean, how many years has he started now? Six, seven? And he's still a pretty darn effective player. So um, I, you could flip-flop him with Tony Romo and give me two more seasons, and any one of those new quarterbacks from this year probably would be ahead of both of those guys. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that he's still within the top ten. Okay. Going to number eight now, my number eight is Matty Ice, and this was another one who you just kind of never realize how good this guy really is until you start ranking the quarterbacks. He's got a 72% winning percentage in the regular season in his career. He averages 3,800 yards, 25 touchdowns to only 12 interceptions in his career. Of course, the big thing with him is he's 1-4 in, in the playoffs, and he has been terrible in a lot of those and even the games when he's played pretty well such as he did this year in the playoffs he completely unravels Matty Ice melts in the second half of these playoff games so I think that he's one of those guys that is a really good player but you'd almost if you're the Falcons you can never justify getting rid of this guy but you almost wish you could find a way to do it you're always going to be good you're going to be contenders every single year with him but 
it just doesn't look very promising that you're ever actually going to win the big one with this guy. But for right now, it's it, you cannot say he's not one of the ten best quarterbacks. Yeah, and it's almost the same thing with Joe Flacco. It, it, you kind of, until this year at least, until he won the Super Bowl, you know, you felt like they're always going to be relevant, but is, is he really going to win the big game? And I actually have Matt Ryan at number eight as well here. <laughs> um, and really the reason why he's here, I feel like he might be talent-wise maybe a little better than some of the guys ahead of him, but he's the only one remaining on my list that hasn't won a Super Bowl. And I feel like that's the big um, divider with all these guys right now. So, like you said, he kind of, has seemed to fold a little bit in the second half of big games or just completely not shown up at all, um, such as last year when they lost to the Giants. So mm-hmm. um, I'm comfortable putting him here, too. I agree with you. I think he's got a big upside. I think he's going to continue to put up some big numbers. But until he wins the Super Bowl, it proves that he can do it throughout the playoffs. I think he's going to stay right around this range here. Well, and he kind of looks like a long-necked doofus when you look at him, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> okay. All right, and my next pick here to coincide with that is Joe Flacco. So I don't want to kind of over-exaggerate too much here with uh, winning the Super Bowl. I feel like seven is a pretty good spot for him still. Um, great playoff run, great Super Bowl. Just hasn't done it all that well that often, I guess. The regular season was pretty average for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, but he's always in the playoffs, always wins. So I'm, it's kind of hard to argue with him here. I I feel like if you watch the two play, I, I think Matt Ryan might be a better quarterback, but he hasn't done it yet, and he hasn't um, won the games that Flacco's won. So um, I'm going to say Joe Flacco at seven. And I'm going to have to agree with you. I also <laughs> had Joe Flacco at number seven. Just a very strange uh, career for Joe Flacco. When you actually watch him, he never seems to be all that impressive. He's never terrible outside of a couple of games but he never really blows you away he's never thrown more than 25 touchdowns in a season which everybody does now he's never had a passer rating higher than 93.4 which I just looked this up as kind of a reference point Uh, 93.4 is his highest season total where Aaron Rodgers has only had 26 career starts uh, individual games with a passer rating worse than that in his career. So that's kind of just gives you a little bit of a reference how much better on a week-to-week basis a guy like Aaron Rodgers has been than Joe Flacco at his best. Um, he's one of those guys, your classic cases of like a Troy Aikman or a Terry Bradshaw. Is this guy a great quarterback who turns it on in the playoffs, or is he just a pretty good quarterback who gets tons of opportunities because of how great his team is? Yeah. I guess I don't know. He has the Super Bowl in his back pocket, and he's 9-4 and four in the playoffs. So I guess that's all you can say at this point. But, I mean, 14 touchdowns, 12 picks. 21 TDs, 12 picks. 25-10, and 20-12, and 22-10 is his touchdowns and interceptions in his uh, five years as a starter. So sure. we'll see what happens with this guy. But uh, right now he's, he's definitely number seven, and um, I, I, I guess I don't know what else to say about this guy. Other than Dan Fouts and Dan Marino probably really hate this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number six is staying in the same division, the AFC North, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, He has two Super Bowl wins, three Super Bowl appearances. Contrary to his reputation a little bit, uh, he actually has been very careful with the football. Since leading the league in interceptions in his third season, he's never thrown more than 14 in a season, which is pretty good. The he, He's a very clutch player, much like Joe Flacco and some others on this list. The, the biggest problem with him is only once in his career has he started all 16 games in a season. So that's why he's behind some other people that maybe don't have as many uh, championships or as much playoff success as this guy. Because if you look at teams like, 
like the 2011 Steelers and some of those other Steeler teams that didn't even make the playoffs, maybe even this year, if you have a 16-game season out of Ben Roethlisberger, you could win championships with those teams. But that's part of the deal with Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to get beat up. You're going to have to deal without him sometimes, and that kind of hurts the team. Yeah, and I think it kind of hurts, at least in terms of our discussion here, kind of where he sits. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny funny enough here, I have him at the same position as well, <laughs> at number six. Um, so I'll just kind of continue on what you were saying there as well. Um, you know, I think, healthy or not, I, I feel like this is probably a pretty good spot for him. You know, even if he can't consistently stay healthy, when he's on the field, he's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got two Super Bowls, been to three, and he's, you can just tell by watching him, we're, kind of getting into that, all right, he actually looks like an elite quarterback when he's playing. I'd say yeah. this is the first player on this list that you can maybe say that about. Sure. Um, very good, and he's always hitting, looks really accurate, great deep ball and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to get banged up, and you know that. So, I mean, you got to have uh, Byron Lefwich on the bench to come in and win you a couple games too. But mm-hmm. um, I'd say he's uh, right on the fringe of elite, but I, th- I think this is a pretty good spot for him. And it's, it's hard to argue with a guy who's won two Super Bowls. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, my next pick here, a guy that kind of falls in the same spot. I kind of flip-flopped on these two, but I have at number – I can't even think of what Five, number. yeah. It's five. I have at number five, I have Eli Manning here. Um, <laughs> I wonder if you have him in the same position here as I do. Perhaps. Uh, but he uh, – I mean, watch the guy play. I mean, he gets ripped on a lot probably for being in the New York market, but he is a, a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, even when the team's not great, he does tend to turn the ball over sometimes. Um, especially in some of their mediocre seasons. He's throwing a lot of interceptions, but he's also doing pretty much everything on offense. Um, mm-hmm. The year before last, when they won the Super Bowl, they were last in rushing. You, he's carrying the team, mm-hmm. and I think he's making guys like Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nicks maybe look a little bit better than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's no doubt in my mind he's a top-five quarterback. I have him right here at number five. So um, Eli Manning here for me. And once again, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Eli Manning has a career passer rating still in the 80s, but that's really skewed by the early part of his career when he wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Since he won that first Super Bowl, he's 10th in passer rating, he's 5th in touchdowns thrown, he has an 8-3 and career playoff record, he's got two Super Bowls and two MVP awards. He seems like the kind of guy that he's definitely elite, but there's some weeks when he's off, but he also seems like maybe more so than any of the other guys on this list, he seems like an old school quarterback that will take more chances than the most, than most modern quarterbacks are willing to take. Oh yeah. And I think that's why sometimes he just looks horrid. And to me the best example when I think of Eli Manning is the Packer giant game that you and I went to at the end of 2010 where he just had a really bad day and that's when people were really beating up on Eli Manning and he threw some really bad looking interceptions trying to get back in the game and they buried him on Sports Center and on Football Night in America that night but then later you would see him throw these unbelievably accurate throws along the sidelines or in pockets in the zone and you're just like whoa I mean this guy's incredible. He just sometimes just takes too many chances. Yeah. And I think when he's honed in and when he's got confidence in his teammates, and, I mean, like the, the game the Packers played against them this year, when he's locked in and he believes in his, his teammates, he might be the best quarterback in football, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, his good is very good, and he can definitely carry that team on his own. So I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's... He's definitely up there with, with any of them uh, when he's on a good day. He's very Farvian. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that when he's locked in, you don't have a chance. But when he's having an off day, the Giants are in trouble. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so let's go to number four, and we'll keep it in the family with Peyton Manning. Uh, he's now the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, obviously. This one was tough for me, and four felt a little low once I did the list. But I think for me, he's he's getting older, and the the problem with him is he's had great regular season after great regular season, but he's only nine and eleven in the playoffs. He's two and four since winning Super Bowl forty one. He only has an eighty eight passer rating in the playoffs, and bo- and that mark is grossly inflated by those two Denver Broncos shellackings that he had in two thousand three and two thousand four. I don't know if you remember those games in the wild card mm-hmm. round. Uh, he threw nine touchdowns. Uh, he has 32 touchdowns to 21 interceptions in his playoff career, but against Denver in those two games, he had nine touchdowns to zero picks. So that <laughs> really inflates that number. I just think Peyton is a really, really good player, but he has not been close to matching his regular season play in the playoffs at any point in his career. He wouldn't have a Super Bowl title if it wasn't for an insane effort by a really bad defense for a whole month. So I think Peyton is a really, really good player, but I just don't think he's he's quite as good as he used to be, and I just don't trust him to win a championship. Um, he's good enough where I trust him more than I do your second-tier elite guys like Eli and Big Ben and Flacco, but not as much as I trust the super elite guys. All right, and right on cue here, I have uh, Peyton Manning at number four as well. I think we're going to have the same list the rest yeah, of the way as well. I so. uh, can't tell we're brothers or anything. Um, <laughs> but I agree with everything you said. I Really, that playoff record hurts him a lot, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And, you know, he's and he's not quite the elite regular season quarterback he used to be. I mean, yep. he's still at the top, like number four. <laughs> you can't really argue that, <laughs> yeah. that that's a bad spot to be at or anything. But um, he's not quite what he was. I mean, he doesn't have the arm that he used to have, and that's to be expected with all those neck surgeries and everything. But mm-hmm. um, I think that's a good spot for him. I, if he can win another Super Bowl, I think he might kind of turn off some of those doubters. But I think after this last year especially, it had kind of started to get mentioned finally that, mm-hmm. you know, this guy really doesn't have that good of a playoff record. <laughs> and then he throws the interceptions in the, in the Ravens game and, and kind of cost him the game a little bit. And then everybody kind of seemed to jump on that. Yeah. But it's really something that's happened throughout his career. Mm-hmm. So I think that that playoff record hurts him. Great regular season quarterback as well. He's like the, the opposite of Joe Flacco, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, I really don't think at this point in his career you can put it him ahead of any of the next top three guys. So I think four is a good spot. No, I agree. And I was glad to see them kind of jump on him a little bit. Um, as much as Favre earned his reputation as a playoff choker, at least, I mean, it, when they're compared side by side, and still people will say that Favre is probably a bigger choker in the playoffs, I mean, he's been to overtime a ton of times, and Peyton, like I said before, is 9-11 and 11 in the playoffs. Favre is 13-11. and 11. He's at least got a winning record in the playoffs, and, and when Holmgren left town, he was one of the winningest playoff quarterbacks ever. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what Peyton can do in the future. He's, he's running out of time if he's going to make that second Super Bowl. And number three, it's my turn, and I will go with Drew Brees, who has been amazing since going down to New Orleans. He's led the NFL in touchdown passes four of the last five seasons, passing yards four of the last seven seasons. And if you remember, and this is probably something that Dolphins fans uh, kick themselves about all the time, is that... They didn't want to sign Drew Brees because they thought his shoulder was shot after he wrecked it at the end of his final season in San Diego. Since he signed with New Orleans in 2006, he's only missed one start. So he's been incredibly durable for them. And the Saints is one of those classic 
loser franchises in sports history in their first 39 seasons. They only had four playoff appearances. They've had four in their seven with Drew Brees. Uh, the reason I would put him behind some of the other guys is simply he turns the ball over way too much compared to his other. He's led the NFL in interceptions this year with 19. Yep, and obviously I have Drew Brees at number three <laughs> as well here. Um, yeah, can you imagine how different those franchises are if Drew Brees ends up in Miami? Mm. Um, I mean, maybe the Saints aren't even in New Orleans anymore, potentially, if if he doesn't go there. It's possible. Um, yeah, it's, so who knows? But, I mean, obviously, yeah, Miami has not had a quarterback since Marino left, and they definitely have to be kicking themselves for that. But um, I agree, great spot here. I mean, his good is might be better than anybody in the NFL, um, but he does turn the ball over a lot, and he he seems to make a lot of average receivers very, very good, mm-hmm. but I, I know a lot of it has to do with their up-tempo offense, but he hits every throw, mm-hmm. um, so I even three was kind of hard for me. I, I almost wanted to bump him up a little bit, but unlike um, the two guys ahead of him, they seem to have more average seasons. It seems like they'll always follow up a great season with an average season. Sure. And that's something that you don't really see from somebody who you might consider elite. I mean, look at Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. When he was in his prime, they made the playoffs every year, never, you know, won less than, I think, what, 12 games or something like that? Yeah, like nine straight years or something. Yeah, So, and that's something that I think kind of holds him back. I know their defense is terrible, and that's not his fault. Um but usually a quarterback like that, like Aaron Rodgers, will carry an average team to a better record. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I kind of hold that against him a little bit. But but yeah, really his grade is is unbelievable. He's a Hall of Famer at this point in his career. Yeah, and who would have thought that when he left San Diego? Yeah, and everybody thought his career was done, and it's what's happened since then is what's really catapulted him to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'll get into my number two here and. This I actually kind of struggled with this one a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Going into the season, it was clear cut Rodgers at number one, but I kind of did fight with this one here. But I did end up putting Brady at number two. Okay. Um, I put him there just because I think he he tends to not show up sometimes. I know we see, see that from Rodgers too. Mm-hmm. But if you watch some Patriots game, it's like you think if he just put his foot on the gas, and maybe that's a Belichick thing in play calling. He could just throttle the team, but it just it doesn't happen sometimes, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of frustrating for me to watch sometimes mm-hmm. um, when the Patriots just decide to to not go for it. Or uh, even last season they were running it a ton too, which you can't hold against him. But um, I guess the playoff record as of late hasn't helped him, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's hard to really say too many bad things about him just to justify <laughs> him being at number two. And I'm just trying to like come up with things here. I I think. Br- Rodgers is just a little bit better. I think they're right neck and neck right now. I think the fact that Rodgers is a little younger helps him, but mm-hmm. I, I can't say bad things about this guy. I just think Rodgers is better, so I'll say Brady at two. And, of course, I'm going to agree with you with Tom Brady at number two. Uh, I agree with just about everything you said there. The AFC Championship game this year, to me, was kind of a an illustration of how he's been in recent years. It's just... it blows your mind that he could just disappear where he's just destroying these teams and then all of a sudden it just seems like he can't move the football and I don't know if that's just the nature of the modern passing offense kind of seems that way since all of these passing offenses have their hiccups in the playoffs it seems like but uh, yeah since going 18 and 0 and winning the AFC championship in 2007 he's only 3 and 5 in the playoffs they haven't scored many points in a lot of those losses interestingly enough I looked this up 
Tom Brady, since returning from knee surgery, is 49 and 15 as a starter. The Patriots were only 48 and 16 in their three titles in four years era. So wow. they've actually been better the last four years than they were when they were winning Super Bowls in the regular season. So, um, I think that his recent playoff record hurts him. He's certainly been very, very good as of late. He doesn't do quite as many things as Aaron Rodgers as far as running for first downs and things, but he ne- hardly ever gets sacked. Since uh, 2007, he's had seasons of as few as eight, four, and eight interceptions, which is unbelievable. So uh, he's still about the best there is in the in the NFL. And number one, which probably is not a surprise to anyone, and I assure you it's not us being homers, um, unless you put somebody like Russell Wilson at number one. Right? <laughs> I guess that would still be half a homer. But um, number one is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's hard to argue against this guy. Obviously, we see more of him than uh, any other quarterback. But currently, he's number one all-time in regular season and playoff passer rating, number one in adjusted yards per pass attempt, number one in net adjusted yards per pass attempts, uh, fewest percentage of passes intercepted in NFL history, top five in completion percentage, yards per game, yards per attempt, and seventh all-time in touchdown percentage. So he's dominant all-time league in all the efficiency stats. I think that he brings a very special dynamic over Breeze, Brady, or Manning with his ability to run, with his ability to escape pressure. The thing with him that I'm curious to see going forward, which is probably the biggest knock on him, is that um, I'm worried about his durability going forward once he's in his 30s, when he's not going to be able to escape the pressure as much. His style of play is to take sacks before throwing interceptions, and I'm wondering how that's going to affect his effectiveness if he's taking even more sacks than he is right now, either because he's unwilling to risk throwing interceptions or because he simply can't escape pressure. So that's something I'm concerned about in the near future, but as far as next season and the season after that and the season after that, I don't see him certainly because of his age all the other guys in that I guess big four the Mount Rushmore of current NFL quarterbacks aren't even close to Rodgers in age so I think he's going to be the one to definitely have the brightest future in the near future yeah I agree there it's I mean it is kind of a scary thought to think of this guy taking even more sacks or even more shots than he already takes he already takes way too many as is but Mm -hmm. you know if he can stay healthy I mean he's still got a lot of good years left in him Mm -hmm. so there's things that he does that the rest of these guys don't do. So, I, I mean, what can you really say about Aaron Rodgers that hasn't already been said? But um, best quarterback in the game, in my opinion, hits every throw, on, on most occasions at least, and um, it just overall great. Like you said, all those numbers, I mean, obviously you're a great quarterback if you're holding all of those records. So I, I don't even know what else to say, really. Um, but, yeah, I guess I would say pretty clearly Aaron Rodgers at one. I, I think Brady and Breeze aren't too far off, but I think he's he's just a little bit more special, and I think if I had to choose, he would be my, my for sure pick to start a team. Yeah, I would agree, and uh, I guess that's all I have to say about that. So, <laughs> so that's our top ten. Matt, something I just did notice here while you were giving your uh, rationale behind Aaron Rodgers being the best quarterback in the NFL. We put by our comments, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning, way out in front of the rest of the pack. If I, Am I right in assessing that? Yeah, I would say so. Well, they have, since 2005, they have three Super Bowl titles, whereas 5, 6, and 7, Eli, Big Ben, and Joe Flacco have five Super Bowl titles <laughs> in that time period, just the three of them. Um, so, I don't know what that means, but... 
Seems like you got to be a pretty lousy player to not have a Super Bowl ring these days. Yeah, I was kind of shocked when I had talked about Matt Ryan being my last player on here without a Super Bowl ring. It's like, holy cow, that means that there's seven other quarterbacks ahead of him that that do have one. And it seems like just a few years ago we were talking about how there was only like three or four active quarterbacks that actually had one. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of changing quickly. It's really um, just some random team every year is winning it right now. You don't need an elite quarterback anymore, it seems like, as long as they get playing well in the playoffs. So it's seems like everybody's getting their turn. Maybe we will see Matt Ryan or Phillip Rivers or Matt Stafford or somebody like that get their chance here next year. <laughs> Hopefully not Stafford. God, they need to get a seven-game series going on in the Super Bowl and NFC yeah. Championship round. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I wonder, somebody probably has done that stat somewhere, but I wonder if this is a record for the most number of active quarterbacks with a Super Bowl ring at one time in league history. Is there anybody out of the top ten that's still active that has one that we didn't mention? I don't think so. Um, as far as a starter, uh, yeah. no, I don't think so. You would have to go all the way back to what to get to the pre-Brady era. You would have to throw in guys, yeah, like Kurt Warner, you know, yeah, Brad Johnson, yeah, yeah, Brad Johnson, Favre, guys like that. So, uh, yeah, so that's weird. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's any other era that would even come close, and I I can't think of one. Maybe. Uh, I don't know, maybe in the early 90s when you still had Montana and Rippon was still playing and Aikman and Sims and Hostetler, maybe those guys. Jim McMahon was still playing in 93, uh, so maybe one of those years might have a chance to to be close, but weird times. (laughs) (laughs) What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if? That signifies the beginning of What If, which is a segment where we take a scenario from the Packers' history and we change it a little bit and then we discuss the ramifications. It's one of our absolute favorite segments to do on here, and now that it's the offseason, we get a little bit more of an opportunity to do so. Uh, John Bellish, who has sent us some great What If topics, also sent us some more in recently. We're going to try to get to all of yours, John, as the offseason goes, but uh, right now we're just going to be able to do one that you sent us, uh, I guess, a day ago. The one we're going to do is, what if the Packers beat Dallas in the 1995 NFC title game? And John writes, in my opinion, they should have. That would have had bigger ramifications than the Pack beating Denver two years later. Okay, so with that, uh, we can give a little bit of a backstory. The Packers in 1995 won their first division title since 1972. They were a wild card team, or well, had to start in the wild card round. They beat Atlanta in the first round rather easily. They crushed the defending Super Bowl champion San Francisco 49ers and statistically probably the best team in the NFL in 1995. They went down to Dallas where they hadn't won in years since prior to Brett Favre and Holmgren being there. They played a very, very tough game. Uh, They had the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, Dallas was able to take the lead. Then Brett Favre threw an interception a couple plays later. Long pass to Irvin. 
Uh, long Emmett Smith run, 38-27, Dallas took the lead, and they were able to shut down the Packers' offense from there. So one of the better NFC Championship games of the 90s, but unfortunately the Packers were not able to win. Dallas went on to Super Bowl 30, where they beat Pittsburgh 27-17 to in a very competitive Super Bowl 30. And then, of course, the Packers retooled a little bit in the offseason and came back in 1996 to have one of the best teams in the history of the league and basically steamroll everybody for five months and become the Super Bowl champions for the first time in 30 years. So, Matt, would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? Sure, I can start off on this one a little bit here. Okay. Um, You know, and I, I know that John says here that he thinks that this has some pretty big ramifications. I'm just trying to think of exactly what those might be. Mm-hmm. Um. I really think that Dallas was a little bit better that year, but yeah. Re- um, real quick, while you, before you go into that, do you agree yep. with his assessment that should they have beaten Dallas? I don't think so. I mean, I I haven't seen that game since it happened. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it since. Maybe you can put a little more insight into it. But like I said, I think they were a better team. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there were some calls or whatnot that didn't go our way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but had they won that game, that's what the what if is, anyways. Yeah. Had they won that game. Um, I feel like they would have beat Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. I just, I feel like that Pittsburgh team was obviously very good, had a good defense, but I feel like we could have all dueled them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, our defense was still very good in our own rights, and I think Brett Favre um, could have taken care of Neil O'Donnell on the other side of the football. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think the Packers do win that Super Bowl if they get the matchup with Pittsburgh. So I mean, that's obviously a big change in Packers history, as is you tack on another <laughs> Super Bowl championship. Yeah. But really, in terms of long-term ramifications, you know, I still think they win the Super Bowl the next year. And I don't know. In terms of '97, does it? Do they maybe come in with a little more confidence against Denver and maybe win that one too? Mm-hmm. I don't really think so because they they just won the year before. I don't know if that necessarily changes anything there. They didn't have big personnel turnover between those three years. Really, um, the coaching staff was all the same. I don't know. I guess, in my opinion, maybe you can persuade me differently, but I just feel like there's maybe not really that much that changes if they, even if they do win that game and go on to win a Super Bowl like I am predicting that they do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there are some ramifications. First of all, uh, I, if, as people may have picked up as we've gone along on these podcasts, I have a massive collection of NFL games that I've been taping over the years. Uh, sometimes I watch them. I, I've been making my way through them over years, and I actually just watched uh, a bunch of the 1995 season recently. I've actually seen this game uh, probably about six weeks ago, and the Packers were good that year, but Dallas was much better. Uh, the Packers had uh, they didn't force hardly any turnovers on defense. They actually, I think, only forced 15 turnovers or something like that, like less than games, which is pretty rare of an elite team. Favre was off the charts, but Dallas was really, really good that year. Um, so I don't think the Packers should have beaten Dallas by any means. I think it was it was pretty close. And I think they would have beaten Pittsburgh, but I'm not that confident they would have. Remember, they had just played Pittsburgh four weeks prior in that, Yancey Thigpen drop game at Lambeau and they didn't lose at Lambeau back then and they almost lost (laughs) to Pittsburgh so I think that would have galvanized Pittsburgh a bit. I still think they were a better team than Pittsburgh but uh, they actually had a pretty explosive offense with uh, Neil O'Donnell that year. Their defense was still really good so it would have been a real tough tough matchup for the Packers but I think they probably could have won. The ramifications I guess I'm thinking about are are a, a few. The Big one is if they win a Super Bowl in '95, I question maybe how much 
effort they would have put into completely rebuilding the defense, which they sure. did, because uh, 95, they weren't forcing turnovers. They were letting some teams back into games. Uh, in 95, I don't know if you remember, but the NFC Central exploded with uh, Scott Mitchell and Warren Moon and Eric Kramer all having ridiculous seasons, and they didn't necessarily transfer into the next season, but that combined with Dallas still outdueling them that, that really focused the Packers into retooling their, or their defense in the offseason where they picked up Santana Dotson, who ended up third in sacks in 96. They got Eugene Robinson, who led the team in interceptions. They let uh, George Teague go because they didn't feel like he forced enough turnovers to justify him opposite Leroy Butler. And I just think that it's possible that maybe they don't go out to get those guys and they make more of an effort to re-sign some of the lesser guys like George Teague, who definitely, in my opinion, was not a better fit for that 96-97 Packer team than uh, than Eugene Robinson would have been, and maybe they stick it out with some of those uh, lesser interior linemen like John Yurkovich as opposed to going out to get Santana Dotson. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big one is Keith Jackson, caught 10 touchdown passes in 1996, was going to retire after 95, and was even talking about it in the playoffs. If they win the Super Bowl, he's not playing in 96, I'm pretty confident in. So that would really kind of limit the dynamics of that offense. I think the big one for me is that 96, they're still probably the favorite. Um, If their defense gets better uh, and forces some more turnovers, they're still the best team. But their defense really was much better in 96 than it had been in any of the previous Holmgren years. So let's say they're still pretty good. Obviously, that offense is an all-time great. That team is outstanding. They didn't need to be as good as they were to have won the Super Bowl in 1996. But I think if they win in 96, then what probably happens is... Reggie White might retire after that. And then you kind of start having some different things where maybe Ron Wolf thinks about retiring, and maybe that kind of rebuilding phase happens a little bit earlier. And I guess I don't know what that means, but if you get Reggie out and if Ron Wolf leaves after winning back-to-back Super Bowls, maybe Holmgren stays on. And I know we've talked about that in the past, but um, it certainly could have been could have been a little bit different. Uh, I think, though, <laughs> that's another one of those things where <laughs> which, which do you wish would have happened? Obviously, we've got two Super Bowls now. Uh, would you rather have had them then or a little bit more spread out? I guess I don't know if you want to comment on some of the things I just said. Sure, and I, I think I can definitely get on board with um, the retooling after 95 um, and maybe that not happening if they win the Super Bowl because you hardly ever see a team that wins the Super Bowl go out and sign a whole bunch of new starters. Yeah. It, it just doesn't really happen. I mean, usually at that point they're so desperate to keep the guys that they still have around because everybody else is trying to snag them from <laughs> sure. them. Sure. So I can definitely agree with you there, and then maybe it doesn't make the 96 defense quite as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Reggie retires after 96 anyways I mean, because you look at his career. I mean, he played another year after they lost the Super Bowl, and then – I would maybe believe you if he would have retired then, oh, but he yeah. went on and played for another team after yeah, that. So point. I think he would have just, you know, he wasn't ready to retire at that point, obviously. Otherwise, he probably would have retired as a Packer. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe not that one, but I, I do think that Eugene Robinson, Santana Dotson, and all these guys were big parts of that 96 team. Did we need them to win the Super Bowl as opposed to kind of keeping the other guys? Who knows? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe George T gets snatched up by somebody else and we have to sign Eugene Robinson anyways. Mm-hmm. It, it's so hard to really kind of theorize about that, but um, I think you make a lot of good points, and I can't really argue with any of them, but it, it's it's so hard to tell what would have happened and um, with the personnel, the players, and, and all that. It's it's pretty hard to speculate at this point, um, mm-hmm. but I think I think you're right. There's probably some personnel changes, but I think overall, maybe rebuilding starts about it another year early, but I think overall, things are kind of the same. 
Yeah, and I guess in the grand scheme of things, here's a question for you. Actually, I don't know if I'm going to ask you a question. I, I guess I'll just state my preference, and then maybe you can do the same. If it gets messed up, like if winning the Super Bowl in 95 messes up the 96 team, it may be equal in terms of um, in championships and things like that. It surely would have been exciting, and we would have been able to experience it, albeit a year younger. But we, by 95, were watching all the games and knew all the players and were big into the team. But if the 95 team would have won the Super Bowl and the 96 team would have maybe been like 97 or like 98 and just another really, really good team that didn't win a championship... I think that that's not a more desirable scenario. And it would have been cool in 95, but the 95 Packers wouldn't have been one of the better Super Bowl champs. They, they weren't as good as Dallas, and nobody considers the 95 Dallas to be one of the better Super Bowl champs. People think I'm the third tier of the three triplet championships of the Cowboys. Right. And so if, if I guess I had to have the choice, I'd take the real history because retooling after 95 and then having that season in 96 instead of just winning a Super Bowl and the pack being back the 96 team is inarguably one of the 10 best Super Bowl champions yeah I completely agree I mean if you could look back on it in hindsight and pick one of the two I'd obviously go with 96 because we were such a more dominant team that year Mm -hmm. and it's kind of fun to be able to say you know we got to see this team Although a lot of pe- other people might not say it, you know, it was definitely one of the best Super Bowl teams of all time, and mm-hmm. they were completely dominant. Um, whereas you wouldn't have been able to say that with the '95 team; it would have been more of kind of a a, a newer Super Bowl champion, like the Ravens or the Packers <laughs> or the yeah. Giants. It would have been seen more like one of those teams that you knew they weren't necessarily the best team; they were very good, but just kind of happened to sneak through and win a Super Bowl one year, <laughs> um, as opposed to uh, just a completely dominant 96 Packers squad. So, yeah, I mean, if you choose between the two, I would definitely take 96. Yeah, and that never happened back then, those kind of stragglers. No. Unless the Redskins. The Redskins could do it, and the Giants could do it, but everybody else had to be dominant to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so interesting things to think about that – Holmgren Packers era, definitely a maybe one of the most important times, maybe the most important time in franchise history once it's all said and done, if you think about uh, how far they had fallen, that really those you know six or seven years is what resurrected the Packers, and they've been a Super Bowl contender basically ever since. Mm-hmm. All right, so thanks, John, for sending that in, and we'll get to your others uh, in the near future here, and if you got any more ideas, please send them our way. We love to talk about all those, and you keep thinking about ones that haven't really crossed our minds, so uh, thanks for that. And anybody else, if you have any what-ifs, or, or maybe we'll do another crossfire coming up here soon, you can let us know. You can go to our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can write a comment on Green and Gold Forever uh, webpage, which is Green Gold forever that's the number four dot podbean dot com you can tweet it at us green gold forever or you can email us at green and gold podcast at gmail dot com so that about wraps it up for this one we thought it was going to be a short episode and then we just kind of started talking like a couple of guys at a bar and we're wasted an hour here so <laughs> um i hope everybody enjoyed it as uh, as much as we have and uh, we'll catch up with you guys in a couple of weeks. So until then, uh, enjoy the draft hype and the the Packer-free agent, probably non-events that are going to be coming up. And keep in touch with us and give us some more of your ideas. Uh, until then, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. Have a good one. Take care.